Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. America and happy Wednesday. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk to former assistant director for intelligence at the FBI and our good friend, Kevin Brock. And then, you know, it's Wednesday, one of my favorite days of the week. Why? Because it's AMAC Wednesday. Andy Mangione, he is the senior vice president for the grassroots arm called AMAC Action. So much to talk about. First, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News to become a four-year member for just 
$30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Uh, big moment on Capitol Hill today. Chris Ray testifying before the House Judiciary Committee. A lot of big issues that have the American public concerned, Congress concerned, the FBI concerned. But the hearing, I'm not sure, delivered the sort of results that Americans are maybe hoping they could get from it. Joining us right now, one of the most trusted voices in all of the law enforcement community, former assistant director for intelligence at the FBI and our good friend, Kevin Brock. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, John. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, this was an important day. At least it was supposed to be an important day. As you look out, give us a little refereeing of what went on in the hearing. Did we accomplish a lot in today's discussion? Well, I think uh, there was some missed opportunities on both sides, the questioners and on uh, Director Ray's side as well. Uh, you know, in the lead up to this, uh, I think everybody was anticipating some real fireworks, and there were a few. But um, but I think yeah, I found myself. Uh, talking to the screen saying, you know, ask him this question or talking to Director Ray, Chris Ray saying, answer it this way and, to, uh, and, and you know, wanting to get more out of the, uh, of the uh, exchanges. And, um, and so it was a little bit flatter than I, I thought it was going to be. But there was there were some key points. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that probably jumped out the most and, and, and a little bit of a missed opportunity on both sides. Obviously, the Republican side was questioning the director carefully on the possibility that the FBI possibility or reality that the FBI was recommending that social media, particularly Twitter, um, censor certain tweets and, and communications uh, that were provably authored by Americans. I thought that um, Christopher Ray had an opportunity to explain to the American people, because not everybody is clear unless you and I and everybody else who's in the Beltway and dissects every syllable of this stuff understands a lot of this, but not everybody does, is that the FBI does have a legitimate role in determining whether or not a foreign power, a foreign entity is generating through bots and everything else, these these tweets that uh, push forward their particular propaganda. Well, within the Bureau's remit, they do that and they, they do a lot of it and they do that well. The question is, are Americans who authors tweets getting caught up in this and being recommended for censure uh, by the FBI to Twitter? Uh, there's some indicators that that is the case or has been the case, whether it was mistake. Yeah. Well, there's been mistaken or sloppiness or or something more nefarious. Chris Ray had an opportunity to explain that and say, look, we we found these instances where it looks like we colored outside the lines. I've taken these steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mea culpa. But I didn't hear that. And, and uh, you know, it, I think that was a missed opportunity. Um, I think that, you know, when, when he, when Christopher Ray talked about uh, getting input from the SBU and the intelligence services of Ukraine to, uh, uh, to censor certain uh, Russian communication or tweets or social media posts, uh, have the FBI do that? That's 
I don't know, you're starting to get a little bit outside of, of maybe what the FBI should be spending their resources doing. And uh, that didn't come across as, as something that would sit well, I think, uh, with a lot of Americans. Um, so, but the bottom line is he could not, Christopher Ray could not afford to look like he was obfuscating. And at times, um, it looked like he was just kind of dancing a little bit. He has, he has a little bit of an unfortunate way about him. And if I was on, on his staff, I'd be advising him on this. He can come across as a bit pedantic, a bit elementary in some of his explanations. Well, that's classified information. And as you know, classified information, we can't divulge classified information. Well, everybody knows that. So don't spend time talking about that. Spend more time explaining, uh, you know, what it is that happened, what you can and can't do. And and I, I thought there's some missed opportunities there. There is a moment where Chris Ray says the FBI is not in content moderation, but that's simply not true. I mean, certainly foreign content moderation, there is and when you look at Elvis's Chan, Elvis Chan's testimony, I mean, there was a system set up where they would uh, flag things and then uh, would go to headquarters for approval. If headquarters approved it, he would make the request. And there were times where some Americans were in there. They're specifically identified in the testimony and in the court records. But content moderation in general, it does go on. If it's related to foreigners, it isn't a problem. But if it's related to Americans, it is. It seems like he 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 whisked off a tactic that actually is used by the FBI, and he could have explained it. Do you think most Americans are going to be concerned that Ray didn't really address that there is this sort of operation that does go around, maybe for good reason? Look, the Republicans um, certainly are, are, are focusing on this, and with good reason. Uh, this, is a, this is a topic of all the laundry list of complaints about the FBI and, um, and the concerns about the Bureau uh, this is one point that people would get. They'll understand. Look, oh, we can't have the government, you know, interfering with the way we exercise political speech in this country. So, um, yeah, he he has to, or and let me put it this way: if if he doesn't adequately address this and make the members of that committee satisfied that it's not going to happen again, then the FBI is looking for some at some serious reform. That may uh, may impact the way they're able to do legitimate parts of, of their mission, and nobody wants that. We don't want an over rotation on this. So, so he, he has to come across as a little bit more reassuring that the bureau is taking this seriously. They 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 see where they may have made some mistakes, and they're going to reassure Congress. I would like to have heard him say, "I can reassure you that this isn't going to happen again." And I didn't hear that today. And by the way, there's some of the content moderation is legitimate. If he just acknowledged there was content moderation, but it's legitimate because it's not Americans, it's foreigners trying to influence with malign intention, I think it would be more believable to folks. But he just flatly said there's there's no we're not in the business of content moderation. And there, there's a, there was a whole operation that, you know, when people read it, obviously a lot of it appeared to be targeting foreign information. But it really was just a moment where the, the slap off didn't address the reality by some of the reality could have been explained as, hey, this helps America. And if there were any instances of Americans, we're going to stop it. And it would have probably would have really helped the American people feel a little more comfortable. It just seemed like a missed moment. There's some other things that obviously questions he was never going to answer. But I just want to get your take on it. Christopher Ray said he wouldn't say if there were FBI informants in the Capitol riot mob. Usually the FBI doesn't talk about its informants. So I don't think that was a particularly big moment. Is there something he can do to address the concern that the FBI was somehow, you know, in the crowd that day. Well, I, I might disagree with you a little bit. I think that was a big moment because 
he yeah he had he answered that question twice, uh, and and the first time I go around he was a little bit more precise on saying, look uh, you know he made a distinction between undercover agents FBI agents acting undercover blending into the crowd uh, in an undercover capacity and or informants which the FBI refers to as confidential human sources. Um, I can almost guarantee you there were confidential human sources in that crowd that have reported to the FBI because the FBI has excellent coverage when it comes to violent extremists, uh, you know, right wing, uh, ultra, only using that term, but anti-government white supremacists who who foment violence and preach violence. Um, They they have excellent coverage against those groups. And so you can almost assure if they didn't have sources there uh, when those representatives of those groups showed up, then shame on them. But undercover agents is a different, a different uh, animal. And, and when he answered later in the day, he said, he was asked point blank, can you tell us if there were any undercover agents at the January 6th protest? He says, I don't know. And that's stunning. <laughs> that frankly, uh, I, I found that less than credible. Uh, And if he doesn't know, that is a huge disservice to him as the director of the FBI, that he wouldn't know that. Uh, And I I just find that hard to believe. Um, So you're left with an impression that he is uh, obfuscating there. Um, So that was that he took a hit on that one. And um, and and hopefully they'll they'll clarify that quickly. Yeah. And it's sort of like the other answer sometimes there were just these brush offs when I think if he engaged in a in a legitimate conversation, he could have educated the American public. All right, we do this, we do that, and I'm not gonna just do it about specific things. It just seemed that there's another moment where he's asked about the two hundred and seventy eight thousand instances where American phone records were checked. This is a FISA court f- ruling, right? And he's asked, you know, there's some different numbers out there, and he's like, I don't know. How could you not know about something that the FISA court slapped the FBI for? And by the way, that's one where there's bipartisan concern, right? Democrats and Republicans are both. A, it just seemed time and again he was disengaged in in having a conversation that would benefit all of us. The FBI is never going to be perfect all the time. We don't expect it to be. And um, it was very unexpected. I, I can't imagine a Bob Mueller or a Louis Free answering the way that Chris Ray did today. He looked a little bit too like he's kind of tired or maybe tired of the idea of having to report to Congress. And I don't know if that's a fair impression, but some people said that to me today. He looked like he had just had enough of these hearings. The job wears on you over a period of time. Does he still seem to have the chutzpah to make sure that Congress and him can work together? Well, let me let me comment on the first thing you said first, and then I'll address the second. Um, I agree with you, and, and it was you said it very well. This was a missed opportunity. People don't understand what Section 702 is. It's, they keep throwing it around. Well, Section 702, price authorization, we've got to authorize that before the end of the year. You know, 99% of Americans have no idea what they're talking about. This was an opportunity to explain what that is. And it's a very simple section of the Patriot Act. It basically says it allows NSA to tell the FBI when a an American phone number was in contact with a known or suspected terrorist overseas. You'd think, well, we want to know that obviously. And, and sometimes it could be a, a wrong number. Sometimes it could be a, a sister that they need a recipe for who knows, but it, but it, 
it's something to be followed up. And in the days after 9-11, everybody was jumping up and down and wanted these things uh, followed up on. Well, now 20 years later, uh, things have cooled down. And and now they're looking closely at, well, how many times exactly did the FBI get these numbers? And they're staggering number of, of, of phone numbers. And so, you know, they're they're trying to to paint this perhaps a little bit more nefarious than it is. But I think Christopher Ray had an opportunity to say, look, there was X hundred thousand numbers that we looked at. Uh, this is what we found. These, this is the type of thing we're finding. This is why it's valuable. We're not spying on Americans, uh, you know, telephone conversations that have nothing to do with terrorism. He, he just could have taken that and really reassured the American people on, about how that program is run. Now, if the IG found certain misuses in the way that the numbers were accessed or provided to the FBI, say, we've taken that in on board, we've corrected that, here's how we've corrected it, it's not gonna happen again. You know, it was just, we got we got administratively sloppy over the years and we, we've tightened that up. People wanna hear that. Yeah, no, listen, it derives a lot of credit, but they feel better than, they're like, okay, the guy's on top of it. It, it was just another yeah. moment. And by the way, that is one of the findings in the FISA court and in the IG, which was that there were times where phone records were accessed and they just simply didn't follow the FBI's own rules. I mean, Chris Ray made some better rules for this. They still weren't being followed. He could have just addressed that straight up. It just seemed like another moment where like, oh, gosh, there's a really good answer here. Could you give it to us? And it didn't happen again. Yeah. And I think he can be more transparent about consequences when that happens. Now, when I was in the FBI, if you if you messed up, you got at least a letter of censure in your file, and it said, you know, naughty boy, don't do that again, and or it could be worse. If you really messed up, you could get days off without pay, and you know that type of thing. You can, without damaging reputations or indicating who's who was disciplined, you could say, look, we found instances where there was where there was noncompliance or or uh, lax performance. We've issued letters of censure to. 54 people, you know, you know, ex- explain and, and, and reassure that you're on, as you say, you're on top of it. So it would make a huge difference to most Americans. I mean, that's the thing about it. They'd, and to many members of Congress, I think that's all they were looking for today. Yeah, that's right. And as you point out on both sides, uh, everybody's concerned about seven. And I'll tell you what, if 702 gets, gets thrown out uh, willy nilly because of you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And, um, you know, because some of those phone contacts do lead to legitimate investigations that need to be followed up on. So, Yeah. I remember when the first people approached me in the spring of 2017 to tell me that, hey, this whole Russia collusion thing is a dirty trick. And and their, their concern in coming forward to me late at night when I was just getting into my driveway was, these tools are so important. And if we lose them because they were abused, you're not going to be safe at night. You're not going to sleep as well as you sleep at night because we won't be able to protect you from terrorists or foreign intelligence agents. And I I remembered their motive in coming forward. They wanted me to know that, hey, these tools are good, but if we lose them because we abuse them, it's going to be bad for the whole country. And that debate, I think, has really gotten lost in all of this. There, There is a good middle ground where this can be resolved. Confidence can be restored. But the FBI hasn't, I think, signaled to those who are concerned enough. They get it. Hey, and they are serious about it. I'm sure they are serious about it behind closed doors. But they don't seem to convey it in public in a way. It's like, oh, you've got nothing to worry about. Do you think that there's a good possibility that 702 gets shut down or radically changed? No, I don't think so. 
I think cooler heads will prevail. I, I think I, they don't want to be the Congress that shuts that down and then something bad happens. So I, I think it'll be now there may be some modifications or there may be orders to the FBI to report on a quarterly basis, you know, any misuse and, and that type of thing and, and, and put some some more discipline around it. Absolutely. Bureau should welcome that. And they normally do. Um, but to, to a larger point around this, uh, whether it's 702 or whether it's uh, whether it's other techniques, I thought it was an interesting exchange with the uh, congresswoman from Washington state um, about using um, uh, phone location data. So this is the cost when trust is lost. Uh, and, and, and thank you, James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok, because this is this is why their abuse led to a, lo- a loss of trust so that legitimate tools that could actually save lives um, are being questioned as government overreach or, or suspected of being government overreach. And, and they're going to put tight restrictions or, or maybe even prohibit the use of, of legitimate tools like phone location data. They make it sound ominous. Oh, you, you can you can monitor where every American's going to be. No, they can't. A, they don't have the resources. B, they don't have the interest. But if you if Christopher Ray took a moment and explained and said, look, let me give you a hypothetical. Suppose there was a murder at Fifth and Elm Street at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning. We know it took place at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning. We, we drop a, a, a geofence around that house, and we and we locate every phone that was in that 500-square-foot uh, 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 geofence at the time of the murder. Oh, there's five phones. Okay. Then we can find out where those people were at the time and, and, and their leads. Now you go find the people and you interview them. Are they a suspect or not? So everybody, when you explain it that way, oh, yeah, well, that's for a legitimate criminal investigation. Yes, that's right. That's how it will be used. But now it's, you know, it's painted because there's this loss of trust. Everything's ominous. Everything is big brother and, and spying on Americans. And that's, that's an unfortunate consequence. Yeah, no, it it, it is in the FBI doesn't want to engage in the conversation. It doesn't, at least hasn't been willing to engage in a way that could really change this debate to something that would grow trust. Today, that's what I kept thinking. Wow, what a, what a missed opportunity for all of us to get, get on the same page and start, you know, address the concerns and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I kind of get a sense that Republicans are going to be much more hard-lined after today than, than I expected them to be coming out of the hearing. What was the most big surprise? I think if there, there may be a couple surprises. Anything that surprised anyone? Oh, that, that's something we got to keep an eye on. Other than what we talked about, not too much. I think overall, though, um, look, we've got the clash of two universes here. We've got we've got the political class, which is going to use oversight committee hearings for political reasons. We've got the FBI that is protecting information that may be evidentiary and, and so that they can pursue uh, you know, criminal charges. Those two never will mix. So you're always going to have the tension between being able to discuss things uh, that are legitimate for oversight purposes and not destroying the integrity or privacy of those who are under investigation and the integrity of the case that's against that. That'll always exist. But there's ways to explain things. The FBI can never appear like it's in a defensive crouch. It, has, it, it serves the American people. It has to come across as, look, this is the way it, we're doing this, this business. If, if it is unacceptable, 
like back in the 70s, they, they instituted the AG guidelines because it was unacceptable the way the FBI was investigating left-wing groups back then. And and so then the FBI adapts. It's an organic uh, institution. It's, it's, it, 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 it's meant to change with the times. If the American people say, we don't want you doing X, Y, and Z, then the, the bureaus are formed, and it doesn't do that. Um, so... And, you know, they, the, the Bureau has to appear as though it's open to criticisms. It's, it, it, is, it takes affirmative steps to address issues that, that attack the trust in the FBI and Ameri- in the eyes of the American people. And it um, and, and should always come across that way. And, um, and, and today's hearing, it just everything was a little bit defensive and and the back and forth uh, between the two sides was uh, not heartening <laughs> for anybody watching. Maybe James Comey would be a little different, but, uh, you know, a Mueller or a Louis Free or Judge Webster, those directors, no matter what the politics or the frustration of the moment is, they had a way of rising above and and defending or explaining why Americans and Congress can still have Congress in the FBI. And I felt like Chris Ray just didn't have the energy or heart to do it. He just, it just seemed as though he were, he was sort of, he was going to play this game of, I'm sorry, you're just wrong and I'm not going to address it. And, and I think there's a moment where this could have been de-escalated, you know, for the good of the FBI and for the good of the American people. It's going to be interesting. I want to turn to one last issue because I, I, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. It came up, you know, in a sort of bombastic way with Congressman Matt Gates. The FBI 1023, it's sort of an extraordinary thing to think that since 2017, there's been this allegation out there. And the FBI's response is, we're still investigating it in 2023. Is that possible? And is, you know, Kevin McCarthy today said, I, I'm starting to smell a cover up that maybe there was a protection racket going on somewhere in the judicial system. That doesn't mean the FBI per se, but the idea that an informant gave this information and the current FBI's response is, we can't talk about it because we're still looking at it. Does it really take six years to resolve whether the vice president, now president, was involved in a bribery scheme? No, it doesn't. Uh, I can't think of a I can't think of an investigation. I was certainly, I was involved in some very complex investigations. Uh, and And usually, and even some where we uh, uh, it, it looked circumstantially like we had somebody dead to rights and we were able to actually prove that they were innocent. And so, and it didn't take that long. Um, I mean, the FBI is good at what it does. They're good investigators. They're going to get their information uh, very quickly. They have all kinds of uh, court process to help them along in that regard. So uh, no, that's not a, not a believable uh, statement. They're, they're, are other factors that are at play here, but I don't lay it all at the FBI's feet. No. Yep. The FBI, well, they, all they can do is present the DOJ has to prosecute and that's where it gets political. Now, all of this spans two administrations. Uh, so I can't speak to what the motivations were at any given time, uh, regarding allegations and, and, uh, what a given United States attorney is, is going to do or not do. And now you got the special counsel and Jack Smith, uh, not Jack Smith, uh, David Weiss. Um, so I, it's, it's puzzling to me, um, uh, as it is to the members of Congress. I think that Christopher Ray could take steps and, and properly pro- behind closed doors uh, to 
to explain what's going on, what they ran into, uh, and and I think that would go a long way towards serving the oversight. You know, it, there's there are still potential. Obviously, there's a potential concern that the president and his son took money in a quid pro quo scenario uh, with a foreign power. Um, the the there's hasn't been a lot of movement out of DOJ to build uh, confidence that they're really taking it seriously. Obviously, the plea agreement with Hunter Biden uh, looked crazy suspicious. Uh, and, 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 and a lot of questions were left on the table. My first one, John, and you and I have talked about this many times. Um, why wasn't he charged with foreign agent registration act, uh, at minimum, uh, you know, he obviously uh, was working on behalf of a number of foreign entities. I mean, the FBI opened up crossword, crossfire hurricane on, on no predication for a fairer case. And here you have ad, you have adequate predication for a fair case, clearly, and 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 that they weren't even considered as charges. Why is that? And um, so, you know, the, these are things that. Uh, and and then, and what about the taxes? So he nobody's ever said has he had to pay those taxes? <laughs> he hasn't. In fact, the IRS agent I interviewed him, he said that the, F, the IRS he is certain the IRS knows for sure that the 2014 taxes on the Burisma money that uh, Hunter Biden has never paid the tax money, even though the FBI and the IRS together got a document in which it showed that Hunter Biden knew all along he hadn't paid taxes on it. And he was being prodded in 2017. Hey, you better get right on this kid. You got to get, you got to update your taxes. Most other tax defendants, if you had an email saying he knew all these years he hadn't paid it and he still hadn't paid it, it seems as though that would have been charged, right? They wouldn't have let the statute of limitations after they had a tolling agreement expire. When you look at the body of evidence, are there legitimate questions about favoritism here? Well, it certainly appears that way. Uh, and and uh, because how do you how do you incur millions of dollars of tax liability and then plea down to two misdemeanors and, and restitution is not even mentioned. I mean, in any white collar inv- investigation, there's always restitution for the, the, the ill-gotten money. Um, so that's ill-gotten money. What, what, where, where's the restitution on that? And I mean, that's quite a return on investment for a couple million dollars. Uh, you get to plead to two misdemeanors where you don't do jail time. I said, not a bad strategy uh, for avoiding taxes. But uh, so, I, you know, I... Everything looks like there was special favors exercised simply because their last name is Biden and Joe Biden's the president of the United States. That's clear appearance. There's no way around it. Yeah. And so I think we're going to learn a lot more, too, in the next few weeks, particularly when Hunter Biden's business partner, if he does, Devin Archer testifies. I think we're going to really learn how the dynamic worked between Joe Hunter and the other business partners. And that may fill in some of the blanks. It might make us even less comfortable. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Kevin, it is such an honor to have you on. We always get common sense. We get calm, smart, wise assessment of what's going on instead of all of the fireworks that we sometimes get in Washington that don't get us anywhere. What an honor to have you on the show. Our audience just loves you. And uh, what a great conversation today. I'm honored that you asked me. Thank you, John. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks for making sense of it all for us. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. 
Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. You know, it's Wednesday, one of my favorite days of the week. Why? Because it's AMAC Wednesday. We always get a dose of common sense and some really great political and news intelligence every time we bring one of our great friends on from the Association of Mature American Citizens, or AMAC. And joining us right now is one of my favorites, Andy Mangione. He is the senior vice president for the grassroots arm called AMAC Action, the guys that get the army moving and make a difference all across America. Andy, great to have you on the show. Great to be here, John. Thank you. I love watching the grassroots have an impact. I'm sure our founding fathers intended it to be this way, that we were going to be a government where people were really the driving force, not bureaucracies. And over the last few weeks, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Patient Act, a very common sense piece of legislation that would have a really significant impact for Americans making their health care more affordable. Since the last time we talked, I've noticed a very important trend. There were some early Republican co-sponsors of this legislation some big Democrats starting to come aboard, and I think it's because of all of the work AMAC's doing. Tell us about the movement on this incredible piece of legislation. I'd be happy to, John, and, and thank you for allowing us to talk about it again. It's, it's such important legislation, and part of the legislation will empower patients to shop for medical care that's, that they schedule. So it's not an emergency. It's stuff like a, a nip or, uh, or, I'm sorry, a hip or a knee replacement, um, something that, you know, it's, that's big ticket. But not exactly an emergency situation. Can you imagine shopping for these, uh, comparing costs and picking the best deal, then getting it done for a lower cost? I mean, that, that's part of what the Patient Act does. But there's a process. There's a process. And even though this bill sailed out of committee, 
with no with no no votes and on a bipartisan basis, and it was introduced on a bipartisan basis, the Republicans still control Congress. So we need Democrats on this bill. And of, of course, you had the initial Democrat co-sponsor, Congressman Pallone. All right. But uh, we launched a campaign uh, second week of June to see if our members could help uh, generate co-sponsors for this bill. So we had them contact their member of Congress. There are 435 members of Congress. Uh, we launched our campaign on the 12th. It ran through yeah, this week. And uh, our members sent Congress over 16,350 messages. So they reached out as constituents telling their member of Congress, please support this bill. And I'll take it. it, it it's, it's wonderful. And, and I'll take it a step further if I can. Uh, now, obviously, uh, a bunch of Republicans uh, jumped on board. And we know that we had an effect here, John, because I mentioned that we launched the campaign on June, uh, June 12th. Uh, June 21st, we started noticing some movement. So it's, you know, you know, nine days after the campaign launched, and we helped to generate another 10 Democrat co-sponsors. Now, in a Republican-controlled Congress, this is not a Republican bill, but it's a Republican-controlled Congress. Uh, this is huge to get that many Democrats engaged on this on this uh, on this bill, and it will definitely kind of hope we're hoping. I can't say definite because it is Washington D.C. We are hoping that this will kind of grease the wheel for this patient act to move along the process. So we and we pick up a number of Republicans too. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's important to have both, but it's really important to have. Uh, support from the left side of the aisle on this bill. Oh, absolutely. And listen, it's unusual to see sponsors come on well after the legislation is sponsored. Normally all the sponsors kind of line up at the beginning. The fact that you're adding people now really shows that there's a, an effort, a successful effort to change hearts and minds that people, when they learn about it, say, all right, I want to get in on this. That It's rare to see that happen. The bill's been out there for what, about three, four months now. So to see people signing on now, that is a big, big moment. Remind folks some of the things that could happen in this scenario. You talked about the knee and uh, hip replacement examples. This transparency could eventually extend to drugs, right? And other things. A lot of opportunity here. They're exactly right. It's a comprehensive bill. And I love to say that it empowers patients. I mean, one thing we've learned, and we've learned many things about dealing with the AMAC membership in, our, in this, this, this demographic. Now, keep in mind that our members skew a little bit younger than the other guys. Uh, the other organization. A lot of them still work, but a lot of them are retired, John, and a lot of them are on Medicare. And we've discovered uh, through the 17-year history of AMAC that our members do not like to be told what to do. What they want is information, and then they will make the decision. So we view the Patient Act and this transparency as giving our members the information they need to make an informed decision about their health care. You mentioned the cost of drugs. Part of what this bill does is shine light on the anti-competitive business practices of pharmacy benefit managers and the tactics they use to steer people to higher cost drugs. Uh, a higher cost drug means that the pharmacy benefit manager would make a higher rebate. And that's not exactly fair to the patient. Uh, the gagging of local pharmacists, uh, what that means is with a gag order is that if they're doing business with a specific pharmacy benefit manager, um, and they want to uh, ex, you know, accept payment from that pharmacy benefit manager, they cannot, per the contract, 
year their patient, who is somebody that they live with in the same neighborhood and probably worship with on, on Sunday, and their kids probably go to the same schools, to a lower-cost drug. Otherwise, they lose the reimbursement. So these are the types of things that the patient act will shine light on. And all we're asking, and then, and then you'll see free market principles make its way into the outpatient prescription drug supply chain, uh, the hospital supply chain, hopefully. And there's a lot of good things baked into this bill. Uh, transparency with uh, 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 insurance p- payments as well. So there's, there's just so much that's in this bill that would empower patients. And you give people the tools they need, and they can take better, uh, better care of themselves through being empowered. Uh, it's the empowerment of knowledge. And you know how you know, the end result of that is nothing but positive. So this is something that uh, – this is why we're all in on the Patient Act and working – and we're not the only group behind this thing. But we certainly have spent a lot of time telling our members about it, and they've responded. And we saw that response in the in the call to action that we ran to get co-sponsors for the bill. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. And one of the things that I think is so powerful is when a constituent can reach out to the lawmaker and say, listen, you don't see what goes on in my life, but look at this bill. Look, look at what I got hit with. The use of medical bills, the use of personal stories, I think is really changing hearts and minds in this. Tell us a little bit about how AMAC goes about helping people, empowering people to do that, to have that sort of conversation with their lawmaker. Absolutely, John. We've been working with an organization called Patient Rights Advocate, and they are all about medical price transparency, hospital price transparency, healthcare price transparency. They want uh, they they want to break down this you know opaque healthcare system that we're currently burdened with and shine light on all these prices. And the best way to do that is to find real patients with real stories. And they take these stories and they and they send uh, you know, they, they they professionally produce them. And they take the people that that tell these stories and they get them in front of Congress and they get them in front of the media. The media and lawmakers are the top two organizations, top two entities that need to learn about real patients and their experience with medical billing. Uh, people, we've, uh, so we're, we're are actively soliciting our members to tell their stories. And we're asking a lot. We're saying, of course, everything's going to be kept confidential. We're not, there's no HIPAA violation here. We just want to know, for example, were you told one price and build a higher price? All right. Did you find, were you taken to collections? Has a lien been placed on your house? And we're discovering that some of these stories are horror stories. People have lost their homes. People have had their credit trashed because of a medical bill that should have never happened. These are very powerful stories, and they're told in in these innocent, authentic ways that carry so much more clout than lobbyists running through the halls of Congress screaming and yelling. So we're actively soliciting our members and our members are stepping forward. We launched this campaign yesterday and uh, already uh, have generated a number of stories that uh, hopefully will turn into these videos and hopefully will turn into these people testifying. But they know the score up front. They know that this is what we're going to do with their stories. And, uh, and, and everything uh, must be documented. And they must, they've got to have the receipts, if you will, so we can prove this and then put these authentic people in front of members of Congress and lawmakers saying, this is what I'm dealing with. This is why we need bills like the Patient Act. This is why our healthcare system needs to be fixed. Yeah, no, it's, there's no doubt about it. This is a powerful way to communicate because it gives lawmakers a data point that's very personal. I didn't know your bill was that much. You got charged what? Oh, my goodness. It's just so effective. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of 
the ad that had so much an impact against the Clinton National Healthcare Plan back in 94, the Harry and Louise ad, you felt like you were in the living room living their life. And I think every time you, you see someone's a medical bill and you go, I can't believe you were charged that, it puts you at the dinner table paying the bills with them. And it really is transformative and watching it's such a great strategy by AMAC and uh, Patients' Rights to, to succeed. I want to flip for a second. First, folks, as you know, we have a great partnership with AMAC. And if you want to get involved with all the great things that Andy and his team are doing, all the things that Bobby Charles talks about, all the things that Rebecca Weber talks about on the show, go join AMAC today. Don't let another day, another hour go by. Match me. I did a five-year membership. It's the best bargain. By the way, it's the first investment you'll make that will pay for itself in just a few short weeks. A couple of discounts later, you're like, I already paid for my fee for the last five years. That's brilliant. All you got to do, go to amac.us slash just news. amac, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash just news. Go join today. You're going to get a great magazine. You're going to get daily news events. You're going to get opportunities to join the AMAC civilian army, as I call them, the AMAC grassroots army. And you're going to just be smarter, wiser, and you're going to get all these discounts. You're going to get access to services that you can't get anywhere else. I know a lot of people in my age group have AARP. You know what? AMAC has got it all over AARP and they better share your values than some of the things that AARP stands for. So go today, amac.us slash just news, get involved. It'll be the best investment you make in 2023. I promise you that. All right, Andy, before we let you go, I love reading. I, I do a lot of reading all day long as I try to get smart stories assigned here at Just News, get reporters on it. There was a brilliant column on AMAC this morning when I woke up. The headline was Biden trashes the U.S. Constitution to muzzle critics. And it focuses on a topic that has been really at the forefront of Justin News reporting for over a year. We started last June, uh, actually last July, a year ago this month, reporting on the all the censorship that flowed from the Homeland Security Department and CISA, then the FBI, and then we found out it was the CDC. And before you knew it, we've almost every federal agency had their thumb on political speech and suppressing it in America. That led to some lawsuits by Missouri and Louisiana, and now a federal judge has ruled that the Biden administration violated the Constitution with these censorship operations, and they can't talk to social media anymore. There's an injunction saying you cannot talk to social media if you're trying to in any way stop political speech in America. A landmark free speech case. The great column, Biden trashes the U.S. Constitution to muzzle critics. A really brilliant take in helping Americans understand. Betsy McCauley, former lieutenant governor of New York, explaining the grave danger of what Biden has been advocating, that it's okay for the government to stop political speech that the current administration simply doesn't agree with. Uh, Really important thing. I know you're on the front lines of this at AMAC, defending free speech. Tell us a little bit about where AMAC stands and why they're so glad about this ruling. Well, this ruling, it it is significant, and it's one of a number of significant rulings that have recently come out. It's all about the First Amendment. It's all about freedom of speech. It's all about freedom of religion. And what I think people were outraged at how brazen this administration was in stifling people, stifling free speech. And, and this is collusion, colluding with big tech and these social media platforms that have taken, and, and like it or not, these social media platforms aren't going anywhere. I remember when Facebook and Twitter first came out, you know, thinking it's a fad, but I tell you, uh, they are part of, of uh, everybody's advertising budget. It is, a, it, it is the new town square, and uh, they're not gonna go anywhere. And you had the, this administration corner the market on free speech, if you will, by colluding with these organizations to shut up conservatives. That's pretty much what it was. 
and uh, and and it's it's outrageous. We've been censored as an organization. AMAC has. Yes, we have on on uh, on you know on some ads that we tried to place that we have where we used stock photos that we have used for years that were called racist. And so we we've dealt with it firsthand. We've dealt with a drop off of uh, 500 members a day, approximately. Uh, on a specific social media platform that shut us up. So, I mean, we know firsthand the effects of this. Uh, and all we're doing is exercising our, our, our right to free speech. So I, I think it, it's, it's joyous to see this happen, okay? And it is also in the same breath outrageous how the, uh, this administration reacted to this, uh, saying that it's a threat to democracy. And, uh, and uh, Betsy, in her inimitable way, and, and we do – publish her a lot and we're grateful that uh, you know we, we have this relationship where we can't publish her calls out the administration on the hypocrisy and and the blatant anti-american uh, methods that they're using to shut up speech that they simply disagree with it's like everything is fine it, it's classic the emperor has no clothes okay <laughs> this guy's walking around telling you that the sun's out when the rain's pouring down on everybody's heads and say isn't this all wonderful and it's not and if you and if you call them out on it you know, they send the goon squad after you. And in, in this case, the goon squad is big tech. Yeah, no, it is. And all they did was outsource it, right? They use a proxy to do what the Constitution clearly told the federal government it couldn't do. And the judge called it for what it is. It's still censorship if you use a proxy. If you start it, government, you own the censorship. And that has been such an amazing part of it. A lot of people will know this. Just the News was on one of the target lists of news organizations that the Homeland Security partners were trying to censor during the 2020 election. Why? Because we were writing about Hunter Biden and the laptop and and some of the early evidence that pointed to a Wuhan lab leak as the potential source of the pandemic. All those things turned out to be true. But at the time, we were censored. We were on a list of about 35 news organizations that they tried to silence. AMAC, of course, had the same thing going on. Andy, it is such an honor. I think people get a sense of the thought leadership, of the policy leadership, and also the common sense leadership that AMAC offers all of us. That's why people should go to amac.us slash justnews. Go sign up today. Best investment you're ever going to make. Andy, we're going to get you back on real soon. Thank you for a very important update, particularly on the Patient Act. I think going to be one of the big surprises of this year's Congress. My pleasure, John. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
It's hard to believe, but that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. I'm really grateful that each of you could join today. Now, one reminder, a lot of people say, hey, John, do you have an app at the Just the News? And the answer is we sure do. Not only do we have an app, it's in the Apple Store. It's also in the Android Store. It allows you to take the Just the News experience and go in three different ways. You can watch our videos and television shows. You can listen to this podcast and many others like it, like Victor Davis Hanson, or you can read the stories that we do a day, 50, 60, 70 stories a day of the breaking news, investigative reporting, accountability reporting. Go to the iOS app store or the Android store today. Download the Just the News app. Read, watch, listen. Three great ways to experience the Just the News content and to join the Just the News family. And if you really want to get involved with the family and say, hey, I want to support your investigative reporting, John Solomon. I want to support the great reporters and the producers and the bookers and everybody that works to make the Just the News experience possible. You can do something really inexpensive that makes a big difference. All you got to do is join the Just the News VIP club. That's right. What do you get for the VIP club? First off, ad-free experience on the website and on your newsletters. No ads, no dancing videos, no autoplay videos. An ad-free experience on Just the News 24-7. Plus, once a month, you get to hang out with me at justthenews.com. We have a town hall. I sit and answer your questions for an hour. We talk about issues you care about. We cover topics that the other media aren't covering. It's an incredible experience to join the family the immediate family of the Just the News team. Great opportunity. Sometimes we bring in our reporters. It's always a delightful time. If you want to get involved in that, go to justthenews.com slash subscribe. Justthenews.com slash subscribe. Quick way to get into the club. It's $4.99 a month, $44.99 a year. Great way to support our journalism, make a difference, and get an enormous benefit yourself. So go check it out today. All right, folks, that wraps up John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this great country of the United States. Be sure to go to justthenews.com if you need that news fix. We got you covered 24-7. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.